This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox in for the vacationing Martin Strong. And in just a few moments, we'll check in with Dan Jones from Campbell and Pound and talk about the importance of house appraisals. But first, here are some of the week's top consumer stories. It's been a few years since we last heard the lowest price is the law, and now it's back. Zellers hopes to make a comeback next year, a decade after the discount chain closed most of its locations. Hudson's Bay says Zellers will debut a new online e-commerce website first and then expand its brick-and-mortar footprint within select Hudson's Bay stores across the country beginning early next year. The company says the relaunched Zellers will offer a digital-first shopping journey that taps into the nostalgia of the brand. And Zellers began back in 1931. It was acquired by Hudson's Bay in 78. They hung on until 2011 and unloaded much of the chain at that point to Target, who closed most stores within two years. The return of Zellers comes as soaring inflation drives consumers to discount retailers in search of lower prices. Apple has disclosed some serious security vulnerabilities for iPhones, iPads, and Macs that could potentially allow attackers to take complete control of these devices. Apple released two security reports about the issue this Wednesday, although they didn't receive wide attention outside of tech publications. Apple's explanation of the vulnerability means a hacker could get full admin access to the device. This would allow intruders to impersonate the device's owner and subsequently run any software in their name. Now, security experts have advised users to update affected devices, the iPhone S6 and later models, several models of the iPad, including the fifth generation and later, all iPad Pro models, and the iPad Air 2, and some Mac computers running Mac OS Monterey. The flaw also affects some iPod models. Now, Apple didn't say how the reports or when or where the vulnerabilities were discovered, in all cases just citing an anonymous researcher. If you own one of those devices, it's time for a patch soon. More of the week's top consumer stories coming up later in the show, but we'll take a quick break right here. And when we come back, Dan Jones from Campbell and Pound will join us right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you sitting in for the vacationing Martin Strong, joined by Dan Jones, President and CEO of Campbell and Pound. Dan, welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. It's been a few months. It has. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to have you back with us. And my gosh, what a what a what an active time in the Lower Mainland Metro Vancouver real estate market. Talk to us a little bit about now. You were on with us uh, early in the year, and here we are in the middle of August. A pretty dramatic turnaround in terms of market changes. Talk to us a little bit about the last few months in Metro Vancouver real estate from an appraiser's point of view, Dan. Please. Well, uh, you know, an appraiser's point of view is not a lot different than a realtor's point of view or even a mortgage broker's point of view. 
or a lender's point of view, and that is that there's been some considerable changes to the landscape and uh, in, in valuation, um, whether you're in Chilliwack or you're in uh, on the west side of Vancouver or UBC or wherever. And uh, a lot of it has to do with this inflation that we've been dealing with. Um, uh, I do believe the war and the supply chain has, has a lot to do with it. And, of course, mm-hmm. the number one factor being the interest rate hikes that the Bank of Canada's policy uh, following through with their policy. We, you know, remember we saw we saw interest rates go up about a hundred uh, points, you know, yes. um, last month, and you know we're looking at another increase we feel coming up uh, next month. And what we've seen up to this point in time is, a, is consistent increases in the interest rate, and you know the whole purpose of that is to strangle um, and wrestle inflation to the ground. In the meantime, um, one of the casualties of that is sort of is the real estate housing market in the, in the lower mainland. And, uh, and, Dan, and you mentioned something interesting mainland. at the outset there. Just if I can interrupt you for a second, yeah. you were talking about a realtor's perspective, the buyer's or seller's point of view, and right. an appraiser's point of view uh, in terms right. of your perspective on the market. Can you take a second before we plunge into more local details and remind our listeners of exactly what it is an appraiser does and the contributions you make to the real estate market overall. Sure. We're generally um, an important partner in the real estate uh, industry and, and with realtors. And when I, when I say that, I mean that uh, realtors are dealing with the clients uh, who purchase the properties. Uh, they're dealing with the sellers. They're dealing with the buyers. And uh, nine, uh, nine out of ten cases, um, most people need to acquire a mortgage in order to uh, facilitate the purchase of, sure. of the real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in. The banks, the credit unions, the trust companies uh, hire real estate appraisers to go out to the property, view it, make sure that the terms are referenced and their criteria for lending is met. Um, and we are the independent, unbiased third party that um, haven't got anything riding on it other than a flat fee for, for the amount of time we spend, and we're, we're hired by, uh, by the bank or the financial institution to do that. Um, when we go out there, we look at the property, we, we do what we call uh, a cursory inspection or a walkthrough, much like uh-huh. you would do at an open house. Sure. Uh, but we're looking for specific items. We're looking to make sure that all the... Um, the structural parts of the house are intact and, and in good working order. We're looking at what's called an effective age. Um, if, if the owner's done a lot of renovation to the property, we're going to say uh, in our report that we feel that the effective age may be less than the chronological age. Uh, it could be a 50-year-old home, but because they've, they've torn the old kitchen out, put a brand new kitchen in, in place and new flooring and painting mm-hmm. and lighting fixtures, you know, that 50 years might be effectively down to 25 years because it's just every time that an, a homeowner spends money on a property to upgrade it, they reduce the um, um, the chronological age and or, sure. or the effective age, and they increase what's called the remaining economic life. And I bring that up because the remaining economic life is really an important feature. Um, banks, credit unions, and trust companies tie the amortization of the mortgage to the effective age, uh, remaining economic life of the property. So if we say that the house has 25 years left, they're not going to um, more than likely allow you to pay that mortgage off longer than the 25 years. 
if we say it has 15 years because it's in really poor shape and it's mm-hmm. what we call bulldozer bait in the in the business. <laughs> right. um, it has limited uh, um, lifespan left. Uh, chances are the bank is going to say, um, we're going to tie your amortization. You're going to have to pay this loan off in 15 years. So one of the one of the ways in in which um, mortgage brokers, um, loans officers will try to help first time home buyers and and people um, finance properties is they will get a, a lower payment uh, based on the amortization. So if they can stretch the amortization from 25 to 30 years, they can get a lower payment per sure, month yeah. for their client, and that sometimes can make the difference for our for some of our first-time home buyers of getting into the market or not getting into the market. Um, we don't know where that policy is going to go. There was a time when there was 35- and 40-year amortizations, and um, that it remains to be seen whether there will be any changes to that. Right now, I don't, don't think it's possible, but that would be your mortgage broker or your loans officer to speak to on that. Indeed. Dan, just a curiosity question, again, about the work of the appraiser. Uh, mm-hmm. When a person has an assessment on their house that they disagree with and they appeal it, do appraisers come in to have a, is there a role that a play, an appraiser could play in an assessment appeal, or is that a completely different category? Yeah, we, we, we do that. That's one of the services that uh, our, our firm and other, other appraisal firms do as well. Um, the one thing to remember about assessments is it's mass appraisal. Um, a lot of times the uh, physical human uh, contact with the property hasn't taken place since the house was newer. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the house is 0 to 15 years old, I can almost guarantee you that there hasn't been a, an appraiser from BC Assessment go through the property, but they've They've taken a, uh, the set of plans that were delivered to the local city or municipality, and they have a copy of it along with the building permit, and they are able to uh, um, drive by the property and uh, put it all together in in what's called a mass appraisal based on the various neighborhoods. And they look at sure. the, uh, um, the, what the what the sales activity are for, for each neighborhood. They break it down not only by city and municipality, they break it right down to the neighborhood. Um, the trouble, of course, is is that they, they send out the values in January every year. You have 30 days to appeal it. Yep. But they're basing that value on a, uh, a date that is already six months old. So, mm-hmm. for example, the 2022 assessments are based on the July 1st, 2021 date of appraisal. So if you look at that, we're now looking at one year past. The assessment is established. The date of appraisal for that assessment is one year ago. Um, and we've seen a lot of changes. So if you looked at a graph, you'd see the line go straight up to the sky uh, like a rocket because that's where the market was going right yes. up until probably early February. And then as these various Bank of Canada policies kicked in, um, buyers started to take a very cautious approach and they wanted to stand off to the sidelines and see what's going to happen. Um, it put a lot of people out of the market because as their interest rates went up, their purchasing power went down. Yes. So the amount that they could originally afford to buy uh, was no longer an opportunity. So you saw a lot of, a lot of participants in the market just dropping out of the market. Indeed. And, uh, and, and that's basically... Uh, where where we went to so so it's uh, that 
that rocket ship's uh, line graph would then start its way down. And it probably started, we feel, in mid-February. Um, in our firm and many other firms, we try to stay within, a, it used to be a 90-day window. We're, we're actually trying for 30 days if we can. Um, and the problem where most appraisers are having right now to meet the criteria of the bank is they want to see 90 days or less uh, for the uh, sale date. So they, that means they, if we were appraising something today, we would have, uh, we could look at July sales, we could look at June sales, and nothing before May the 19th. Oh, okay. They don't want us, because, because what they're trying to do is avoid these changes in the market. And the more current the sales information is, um, the feeling is that more accurate the appraisal would be. Uh, Dan, let's let's talk a little bit about those changes because you've alluded to this a couple of times in our conversation already. You you've you've hearkened back to mid February, and there mm-hmm. seems to be a growing consensus that mm-hmm. at least in this corner of Canada, we hit peak house in mid February. Would you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, that's um, that's what we've been able to track on it. We've been looking at the um, the real estate board statistics. Um, we look at Steve Soretsky's reports. We we uh, we track sales all the time in office on, and try and figure out what's going on. And, the, and we break properties down not just by neighborhoods. We try to break them down by property class. So, you know, if you look at uh, the houses that were built in the 70s um, and the early 80s, they're quite a different animal than the uh, type of home that was being built in the late 90s. Sure. or even in the 2000s. So that's an important um, statistical analysis for us to, to clarify. You know, what are we comparing, apples to apples or apples to oranges? And we always try to compare uh, similarity to similarity, of course. Dan, one of the things that, that has changed from a consumer point of view here on Vancouver Consumer is they're saying the marketplace has gone from a seller's market to a buyer's market, to That's a right. potential buyer, what does that mean? Well, the first thing is there's more time. Um, um, the interesting thing is besides having more time, there's more selection. Now, one of the biggest complaints with this last market we had when we were running into multiple offers all the time, Sterling, was there's a shortage of supply. So there, right. uh, the demand was outweighing the supply and you had a, a, a big lineup of uh, people wanting to make offers for every single listing that occurred. I remember um, that, yeah. Now, there have been a lot of listings come onto the market in the last uh, month, um, but it's still less than what it was a year ago, right? Right. So, for example... Um, you know, there was uh, 3,960 detached uh, apartments newly listed for sale on MLS in July. That's about a 9.5% decrease from a year ago. Hmm. And it's a okay. 25% decrease from June, right? But that is um, about 38% of all the list homes that are listed in the lower mainland, not including the Fraser Valley. And um, the total there is about... 10,300 listings that are available. So what's interesting is 38% of those new listings came on the market in the last month. That usually tells me that it's giving 
A, it's giving the buyers more selection. They'll have right. a bigger selection to look at. They'll have more time to look at things. And they'll be able to uh, probably write offers with subject conditions now. And that was a thing of the past. They, they If they were in a lineup and making an offer and, 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 and a young couple was making an offer, chances are if they had subject conditions such as subject to an inspection taking place, subject right. to financing being approved, versus an offer that was clean and had uh, no subject conditions, many times it was uh, going to be sold to to the the you know the the buyer that had no subject conditions but i think we're past that now and everybody will be writing offers with subject conditions well you know dan there that that comes with a certain sense of relief my gosh imagine i mean this is very recent and it's still a fresh wound in a lot of yeah, people's yeah. psyche imagine yeah. being a young couple about to make the most important investment of your entire lifetime something worth more than a million dollars and 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 you, you you would say how about how about a building inspection? How about before we make this enormous investment, we at least understand that the building we're trying to purchase, the property we're trying to purchase, isn't going to fall down the day after we move in. That's a pretty reasonable request. And that kind of request was laughed at. So now the change to the buyer's advantage is they do have that breathing room, that time that you mentioned. Right. Um, uh, give me an example of some, some things that are indicators. I mean, you know, the real estate board also tracks uh, the number. The per- they go by percentages. In our office, we go by uh, 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 sort of a re- reciprocal analysis of it. So if there's two listings to uh, every sale that takes place, you're going to have multiple offers. And um, right now, uh, for all properties, um, you're looking at about a sixth listing to each sale. Uh, ratio, and that's that's healthy. That means there's more selection for the buyers to look at. It also means that uh, when you hit a certain level, um, pricing might start to become affected, and that's what's happened because it's about um, nine listings to every sale uh, on the single-family market. Like in the in the Lower Mainland in general, that's basically uh, all your suburban areas, Vancouver East. North Shore, right. etc. Right. Um, now, Dan, Dan I'm going to have to interrupt you for just. I'm just going to have to interrupt you for a yep. second here because we need to take a quick break, and this is pretty meaty stuff, and yep. a lot of important details about to be revealed. Our guest is Dan Jones from Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. This is Vancouver Consumer. You're on CKNW, and we'll be right back. This is a paid commercial program, unless otherwise identified. The guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox in for the vacationing Martin Strong, joined by Dan Jones, the president and CEO of Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. And Dan uh, hasn't been on Vancouver Consumer for a few months. And oh my gosh, Dan, such a busy few months it has been. You've been very patient walking us through the rather dramatic changes the Vancouver real estate market has gone through in the past several months, pointing to peak house in approximately mid-February, and pointing out just a few moments before we took the break about the fact that the marketplace has decidedly changed, Dan, from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And you've been describing some of the advantage that, that poses for people who are buyers. Is there an advantage when it, when it becomes a buyer's market 
for sellers in all of this as well? Uh, for sellers, um, I, I think the advantage is they they have to come down to earth, so to speak, and, and be realistic. Um, it was very difficult, I think, for, for sellers when they thought they knew what their property was worth, and then they found out that uh, the guy across the street or down the road just sold for uh, 15% higher than what they thought their property was worth. Yeah. Uh, and then they heard all these stories about the buyers paid 200000 more than the list price, and those types of – everybody's heard those stories. And it was all relative, again, to a shortage of product on the market and a very high buyer demand happening all at once. And I guess there's a little pandemic um, uh, coming out of there, too, that you know there was a lot of people that were sitting on the fence and waiting for uh, to get back into the real estate market, and the pandemic seemed to be the uh, – um, the, the jump for that, sure. the jump off point. So, you know, one of the things we've talked about earlier was this percentage of um, uh, ratio that we look at. So when we have a nine to one ratio, that's nine listings for every sale, we're going to start to see some, um, some pressure against pricing and, and values are starting to roll down. Um, well, Let's call it call it what it is. There's they're starting to decline. Uh, right. They're not in, increasing any longer. When we're at a four to one or less uh, ratio, you're starting to see uh, multiple offers happen because there's a shortage of product and there's lots of buyer demand. So that's where we're at right now. For uh, townhouses, we're still at about a four to one, uh, and 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 apartments five to one, that type of thing. But single mm-hmm. family is around nine to one. Um, the other the other thing that we look at and and as a as a seller is when you were used to putting something on the market back in February or January for a week or even a day I mean there was lots of issues where the realtor just got the sign in the ground and people were attempting to make offers and of course they oh, couldn't sure. make an offer until a couple of days later but um, number of days on the on on the market I was looking some statistics this morning for example and. Um, they've gone up about 20 to 30%. So, you know, in, in the average ben- benchmark uh, range, that, that would be your probably 1.1 to 1.5 range, a uh, million dollar range, you're looking now closer to uh, three to four weeks if the property is priced reasonably and within the market parameters of what the, co- the competitive listings are. Yeah. That, Dan, that just a curiosity be, question again from a yeah. seller's perspective. When yeah. when you're thinking about listing, because you were talking about, you know, you you, 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 you you sold the house and then you find out the guy around the corner got a couple of hundred grand more than you did and so on. So in order to avoid those sorts of traumatic moments, mm-hmm. uh, is it wise for a seller to have an appraisal done on the property so they have a an active market number on what they should expect? Yeah, we and have, then price we it appropriately. Have, we have lots. I mean, that is a, a bulk of our business as well. We do a lot of that uh, that type of uh, for market purposes. We call it, and yeah. um, they want to know uh, that it's an independent, unbiased value. That we're you know we're not uh, telling them a, a certain value because there's a listing riding on it. And mm. uh, we have also a lot of realtors that come through us uh, because they. They feel it takes the pressure off them, and it takes that sort of uh, undue influence collar uh, off their neck, and uh, um, it works both ways, right? 
And uh, again, it's not an exact science. So, I mean, because we say something's worth 1.25 million, I mean, it, it might sell for 1.35 million. Mm. If uh, if the right buyer comes along and it's the right home and, and in the right market, with it was very difficult um, to estimate values. You know, seven months ago, when we were running into this shortage of product and this this high demand, when you were getting twelve offers on a property, I mean, it was, there was there was constant. The only thing you could almost guarantee is that it was going to sell above the list price. The realtors didn't even know. I mean, it was just they had a general idea. Here's what the last sale was. Here's what the listings are in the neighborhood. That's about all you can do. But um, it, it's been a very very quick moving market and i guess what i was saying to you earlier uh sterling is that these statistics that we're analyzing and uh, you know the big question for everybody right now is how much has the market gone down and sure. where's it going to stop well i can't tell you where it's going to stop because it depends on what's going to happen with inflation and, and the interest rates but i can i can tell you that uh it's moving faster than than the statistics are are showing and we're seeing between a 12 and a 15 percent um, decline out in Fraser Valley, right? And that that includes Surrey, right out to Chilliwack, those types of areas. I was looking uh, this morning, and in Abbotsford, in the month of uh, August, for a single-family dwelling class of property, there's been only 17 sales. Okay. And uh, if I looked at February 1st to 28th, 2022. I did exactly the same criteria, and there was 169 sales. Oh, my. So if that gives you uh, an idea of where we're at. Um, so an awful lot of transactions happening in February. Almost every real estate board, the number of sales transactions are down 50% month to month. And um, that that's like, you know, from last month, it's down 50%, and from the month before that. So... It's 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 been it's been quite a wild ride. Out of those seventeen sales in Abbotsford, uh, the highest sale prices were one point three million. Interesting. Uh, uh, out of the one hundred and sixty nine sales, over one hundred and twenty of them were were over one point three million. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's a very general set of uh, statistical data to look at, but you know. It, it tells you that things are are moving uh, in an opposite direction now to where they were back in February. Indeed, they are, and of course, you do a lot of work for and with banks. So, uh, it, right. it, when the when all of the major banks of the country also acknowledge the decline in prices, not only locally here in this corner of BC, but nationally, uh, that means uh, that, of course, uh, they are falling. And and the X factor here, as you pointed out already, Dan, is the the Bank of Canada is going to increase interest rates sometime in early September. It it is not likely to be the increase that we experience last time, perhaps only half as much, but still it represents an interest rate increase. And I think everyone is anticipating some kind of uptick, correct? That's correct. Absolutely. Um, buyers have basically gone to the sidelines right now. They're, they're sitting there and waiting and wondering what's going to happen. And um, it doesn't mean that they're not interested in getting back into the market, but it's when should they come back into the market and are the interest rates going to finish their run and start to go the other way and we're going to start to hopefully see some some interest rate reductions once this inflation gets wrestled to the ground mhm um you know another interesting uh, statistic um 
buyers have shifted to the sidelines. That's that's one thing for sure. But okay. um, sales fell to a 22-year low in the month of July. There was only 1,900 sales in July in the in the whole Lower Mainland Fraser Fraser Valley, and and since then, 1,651 sales that took place in July of 2000. That's how long it's been before there has been any anything less than 1,900 sales, which is what happened in July. So That's a pretty dramatic turnaround in a market that has been hysterically active for so long, Dan. Well, we're talking about 22 years, right? Yeah. It's a 22-year low. So that's, that's where we're at. That's, and, that's uh, quite th- dramatic. It's good so news now- for buyers that are still in the market because they're going to start to see... Um, results on their offers we've noticed that sales are sales aren't way less than the um list price but a lot of the listing prices have dropped down to more realistic levels and um they're they're selling below the list price but we did notice that a lot of times some of the sales that are selling right now are actually very close to the assessments if not um, lower than the assessments that were determined one year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of questions with regards to uh, finding an appraiser and those sorts of things. But before we get to that, I think a general question, and it perhaps applies to realtors as well as to appraisers, but mm-hmm. from, from, the, from the president of the company, uh, a, a pretty dramatic uh, question for you here, Dan. Sure. As far as the homeowner goes, what sort of negatively, uh, uh, what sort of negative effects do homeowners display, perhaps erroneously, uh, when it comes time for appraisal? What hurts a home appraisal? Uh, what hurts a home appraisal? Well, I think it, it, it really comes down to deferred maintenance. The same as a realtor. If a realtor walks into the property and there's a lot of deferred maintenance and they see that uh, their buyers are, are going to have to spend money on the property to bring it up to an acceptable standard, um, that is going to affect the pricing. Right. And, and it's all related. What, what, what appraisers do is we talk, talk to you about the effective age. When there's been renovations that have taken place on the property, um, that increases the uh, remaining economic life, which is good sure. for the banks. That's the criteria mm-hmm. they want to see. Um, it increases the remaining economic life, and it decreases the effective age. So every time there's some type of an upgrade made or a renovation, um, a remodeling, it's all good in terms of um, value. It may not, cost may not equal the value, but it, you can be assured that there has been some affection to the value um, if there's money spent in that regard. One minute. They talk about curb appeal a lot in the real estate business. Is that uh, is that an, uh, a factor at all from the appraiser's uh, perspective, Dan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if the property displays well from the street, um, the purchasers uh, with their real estate agents are going to want to see the inside of it. Um, if it displays poorly, uh, I think the opposite can occur. They may just uh, bypass it if it doesn't have good curb appeal. So it is that, that, that actual, that, that again, it's the, it's what your mom told you when you were a little kid, you never get more than one chance to make a good first impression. So make it count.
correct. Lots Thank more you. information, friends, at Dan's Real Estate. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan's website. It's Campbell-Pound.com. Campbell-Pound.com. Lots of information there about the team, how, how they work, how you can get them to work for you, and the kind of good work they've been doing around Metro Vancouver in this field for many, many years. Dan Jones, a pleasure. Thanks for this. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, Sterling. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Once again, our thanks to Dan Jones of Campbell and Pound for a very informative visit. Coming up in our next hour, a chat with John Carlson of 2% West Coast Realty. But first, here's another one of this week's top consumer stories. And according to Consumer Reports, the coronavirus pandemic has slowed auto development and production, as you can easily see by visiting an EV dealership these days. But manufacturers' plans to introduce electric vehicles continue unabated. In fact, dozens of pure electric models are set to debut by the end of 2024. On the menu, cars and an increasing number of SUVs and pickups. And there will be more plug-in hybrid models, which can run on mostly electric power for a stretch before the gas engine kicks in and operates the vehicle more like a traditional hybrid. The rollout of new EV and plug-in hybrid models across different segments is good news for consumers looking for an alternative fuel vehicle that will fit their needs. No word yet on future plans for rebates, although the new legislation passed in the U.S. this week allows for more of them, as long as that vehicle is produced here in North America. And that is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer. Producer Leila Kadir and I will be back in a few minutes with hour number two and John Carlson of 2% West Coast Realty. Stay with us, Vancouver Consumer, right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.